Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. I'd like to offer this condolences to our friends to the north. We were free from this torment for so long, but unfortunately, any friends in Canada, they have to deal with a bald man who is constantly um, confused for Wade Minter. I shall not mention him by name, but he may be on a television set near you sometime soon. It's it's his return, because he spent a number of years on TSN. While he was also infecting the United States. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I just, I, I, boy, outside of coaching, is there anything more confusing than the continual rehiring of him when it's pretty clear the vast, it was pretty clear that a large segment of people, I won't, I won't get into hypothetical numbers i'd have to say over 50 percent of the audience cannot stand the man in two countries <laughs> his bosses must love him because he he comes in well prepared mm-hmm. but is not compelling <sighs> i i have no desire to tune into that broadcast this week I... ever <laughs> again <laughs> there's there's a broadcast this week is there something going on Um, uh, it's like a family reunion or class reunion, bunch of tables in a large space. Uh, other than that, no. Mm. Seriously, that th- is the draft Thinking. this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Thursday okay. and Friday. Okay. Yes, it is this weekend. Uh, and if you think, let's go back in memory lane. Last year, the draft was virtual. The longest second day in the history of second days. They are doing this on a Thursday and Friday for mm-hmm. whatever reason because, oh, well, summer. Probably likely to get better TV ratings on a Thursday night and a Friday. How fast is day two going to be in person? I guess it depends on uh, if they if they've set up rookie camps to follow starting the weekend. <laughs> I don't think they can. No, they have to wait at least another week. Yeah, I I, I thought there was a I thought there was a guaranteed blackout window before they. Is could there? Because I don't. I, I think so. With especially with rookie camps, I think so because they're <clears throat> depending on age groups. Mm-hmm. Some of them may still have. You know, traditionally, some of them may still have classes and stuff. I doubt that's the case this year. Um, but I think there is a blackout window. Well, I believe, so if memory serves, the local one here down in Raleigh begins the following Monday. So they have a couple days. I yeah, believe I they, they give them the weekend. I believe they travel in on Sunday. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's a big window, but I think there is a blackout window after the draft because they want to give teams a chance to get everyone back, mm-hmm. and also um, 
any of the players that they want to bring to camp from that draft, they need to be able to coordinate some sort of travel arrangements for them. You know, I'm specifically talking about, you know, some of the guys that are in the first round um, that are, you know, later in the first round that may not, you know, may not play in the NHL this year, but they want to, you know, start getting them acclimated to that kind of stuff. So we have the drafts this week. <laughs> okay, I, you know. And I might be able to name two players who will be draft. Oh, no, I guess a third now. Yeah, I I never, because, because teams are so bad at developing talent, I don't even bother. I mean, it's kind of a peripheral thing for me, the draft. Because it doesn't matter until they they hit at least AHL ice, if not NHL ice, right? And like I said, some teams don't develop their players. Some teams are bad at it, and very few are actually good at it. But enough about Montgomery's team, okay? Mm. Bam. (laughs) Um, First of all, good for him on that one, you know? Going through what he went through and getting – his life sorted out. It's good to have a second chance. You know, mm-hmm. I'm 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 just glad in that particular case that uh, he wasn't he wasn't bounced for. I mean, it's such it's this is such a slippery slope, and it's so we don't know what all the details were because all they said was like unprofessional conduct. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, oh, oh God, I can't even say that with a straight face. I was going to say, I'm hoping it wasn't anything nefarious and gross that it was just, you know, as undesirable as it sounds abuse, you know, just screaming and being a dick to people. Instead yeah, that's of, your average NHL coach. He has to right. have been really bad for that. <laughs> Right. And it may have been, you know, a drunken and unprofessional conduct. You know, people were speculating it may have just been, you know, he was bombed and being an ass in, you know, a hotel bar or something. Um, I'm just I guess I guess I'm trying to tiptoe around the fact that I'm hoping beyond hope that if it was something worse, like assault, even, you know, I'm not talking sexual assault, but like beating a player like, you know, the one haircut Albertan man who people still bring up for an NHL coach job for unknown reasons, um, you know, kicking players on the bench or anything like that. I would hope that it would be outed because that was, you know, his situation was during that whole was kind of during that whole time, you know, when coaches would get fired, they'd have to say, you know, they'd have to make sure that they would say something, you know, for on ice performance reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know so if he's got his, it sounds like he's got everything back together and he's dealing with his his you know addiction and everything. Yeah, I, you know I he's you know sort of like we were talking about um, you know the the opportunity to get your name back in there for a head coaching job. You know, I'm not sure I would have taken this one. <laughs> But, you know, because this is a this is a doomed situation, right? It depends. Again, like you were saying, it depends on the circumstances, right? If it's if it was um, 
abusing a chemical substance of whatever kind. And he went to rehab, hasn't relapsed in a while. Then, you know, it's great that he's getting a second chance. If it, on the other hand, is a chronic issue that crops up periodically throughout his career, that something like abusing players either, you know, verbally or, or mentally, physically, physically, emotionally, yeah. yeah. Um, then it's one of those, are, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> well, I, I'm... I'm kind of I was I was kicking all that aside honestly and just saying if if you are a head coach wanting to get a shot you know want, wanting to get back into the head coach ranks of, in the NHL and you're looking around the landscape for teams and you look at Boston you go hey Patrice Bergeron's coming back David Pasternak's there and <laughs> every you know he is going to be crucified um, if they don't, you know, Boston fans are are cyclical. Well, every fan base is cyclical, but Boston fans are, you know, everything's expediated when it comes to the cycles of, of you know, grief, anger, just depression, despair, you know, hope. Um, are they going to last six months? You know? Yeah. So, I mean... Funny how um, what's his face the GM I had the name and it just totally blinked on it. Sweeney, Sweeney, thank you. Uh, yeah, got an extension right after he signed that head coach. Um, it is apparently a belief in New England um, that uh, I mean basically. Um, Again, off-season brain, but says Cassidy. Cassidy was fired as a sacrifice to keep Sweeney, you know, for Sweeney to keep his job. It's, oh, no, don't look at what I've been doing, but, you know, we'll fire this guy because clearly he was the problem, you know. Um, and so I think that's Montgomery right now. He's going to be the next sacrificial lamb for Sweeney to justify what he's been doing and keeping his job. And that just, that hurts because, you know, there's a guy who did go through personal stuff and tried to, granted, he is a, once you're in the fraternity, it's hard to get completely, you know, blackballed from the fraternity unless your name is Ted Nolan. Um, mm, well, that's because you're not white, so, you know. Or, or Guy Boucher. Um, <clears throat> but... You know, is this gonna is is this gonna be a shiny spot on the old CV as the kids call it now? Nobody uses the term resume anymore, by the way. Have you noticed that more people are starting to use CV? Um, just weird. You know. I've oh, heard hey, this, I, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, I I've, I coached Boston to a 500 record, a Bettman 500 record. You know, and of course, teams are going to look at it and go, well, you were also given, you know, a poo-poo platter to work with. So I think you even getting them to 500 was probably a good thing. I'll heal. Um, is it, I just feel like this is going to be, you know, one step forward and end up taking a half step back. You know, he may have to go back into the, to the assistant associate coach ranks because I don't think anyone believes that this is 
going to be a successful run for this franchise for the next five or six years. Well, I mean, what happens in, in most situations, right, where um, the GM fires a coach, hires a new one, gets an extension, the GM gets fired usually within two years. Yeah, and then the new GM comes in and tanks, you know, and yeah, the, it has to have coach. his people. Yeah. yeah. Which is just stupid, but it, you know, it's, whatever. It's <laughs> Um, I th- so okay. Yes, I was completely unaware that the draft was this weekend. For some reason, I was thinking it was later. I don't know why. I swallowed a fly. Um, my my hockey son Anthony Duclair is going to miss the start of the season. That's that's the only thing I I came to town with because. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, it's only, they hope it's only the first half of the season, but you know, the type of injury, he's, he's just going to be working to build up shape. He's not going to be the Duclair we saw going into the playoffs that, you know, latter 41 games. Yeah. Achilles is, uh, you know. Achilles is not one you bounce back from. <laughs> there was a joke. Yeah. No, I wasn't. I wasn't doing uh, because of your joke. I was doing uh, because it's like oh, Achilles. I know. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah. Yuck. 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 I. Uh, I. I just. I hope they're able to not Eric Carlson him. Even though Carl's, mm. even though Eric Carlson's wasn't just an Achilles, because they had to structurally change that man, and he has never been right since. Because Mm-mm. the muscular, the skeletal muscular, is all screwed up for him. He never relearned how to skate with his new body. Well, that's 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 the trainer's like fault. The the doctors and the trainer's fault for not rehabbing him correctly. This is true. In which case, honestly, if I were him after the career was over, I'd sue him. But <laughs> maybe that's just me. <laughs> I don't think he has grounds to because of his stuff in his contract in the CBA. Probably. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all. Oh, yeah. Tampa going to Tampa, aren't they? Well, yeah. Someone made a good point earlier, though was that the general manager of Brisbane in Tampa is not the nostalgic or sentimental sort. He is definitely a businessman, so he's willing to cut loose people when other teams may not in order to, you know, have the best possible roster that he can when other teams would rather, you know, hesitate and and pro-clutch and all of that. So... Um, and that's why Tampa consist or has in the past few years consistently had a good team is because they're actually running it like a business instead of, you know, good old boys kind of thing. The good old boys that only talk to other good old boys and not everyone in the industry. Mm-hmm. Which is weird when you say that because you look at Iserman and Sackick and they don't operate. I mean, they leverage the good old boys network, but they aren't, they don't seem bound to it, right? 
I mean, Joe Sackick has absolutely no problem screwing over other teams in, in trades. None whatsoever. Oh, Iserman, that's it's, and Iserman too, right? He does that like that's his trademark is screwing over other teams to get what he wants, and everyone's like, "Dang, how does he do that?" You know, and it's like, well, that's because he's he just, ruthless and nobody else is. So yeah, it's it's those, and it's not the ruthless is an interesting term. You know, it's like I always go back to to Wall Street, right? And Gordon Gecko's greed is good type mm-hmm. thing, because there's truth in that. Mm-hmm. There's, you know? you know, there's there's the Machiavellian ruthless, which is you're out to get what you need to get as well as cause the most damage to your competitors as possible. Right. And then there's the ruthless as in I'm just going to do what I need to do and hopefully and that's I'm, all I care about. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go out of my way to help you get better because it's a competition. Right, and I'm, I'm not going to go out of my yeah. way to like take you down because it's not worth my time. Right, right. So I, yeah, I, you know, and and listening to Billy Garen the last couple of days too, it's been sort of like, boy, if there is someone who just DGAF <laughs> about nostalgia right now. He, he, <laughs> Thank you for going there, by the way, because I was looking for my in. It's just like we make up all these rules about the way we need to do things. And I think the smartest guys on that draft, Lord, next week are the ones that get their stuff done early. Yeah. You can do late business if just something happens to materialize. But the fact that both Brisebois and Garen made moves that they had to make. Well, and let's throw in Blake too, right? Yes, the receiving end of the Minnesota. Yeah, he found something that he liked. He paid up for it, depending upon how you think of the deal for Kevin Fiala. But he did his business, and now he has a better – he's in a better position to do other things because he has more long-term focus. Like, you know, Garen's still kind of stuck a little bit because he has to constantly be moving money in, money out, but he does have a plan in place. Breeze watch that same extent. And then yeah. there's Kelly McRimmond, who who the heck knows what that man will do this week. It's about I, giving yourself flexibility. It's exactly. Not, you know, it's, it's not hobbling yourself because – You've decided to take a wait and see, you know, approach and figure it out on the fly. It's actually having a plan and creating flexibility for yourself, so that one, you've implemented part of your plan and you're you're in a good position to do what you want to do. But two, you also have enough assets and enough business sense to, you know, be quick on your feet if something else comes up or something else screws you over, right? So. Um, and that's the difference is that so many of these general managers don't think ahead, one, and two, they don't have mental flexibility. They're just stuck on, I'm just going to do this without considering that other people might want to do the same thing or other people might do other things to influence what you want to do. Um, and and that's a problem in um, a lot of sports, but particularly in hockey. Which is the I'll, I'll tell you the team I am, and and this is underdog 
um, you know, dark horse, total out of nowhere team that I am interested to see what they're going to do because they have a general manager who got shafted in his last position, in his last job, and is prone to making good deals and being patient but he has a partner in the president of hockey ops who is the most impatient impetuous man alive and that's the flyers or i mean the penguins mm-hmm. I, I i still associate ron hextall with the flyers i'm always going to associate <laughs> it's, ron it's hard with the not to it's hard I, not to i grew up watching hextall as a player for the flyers it's always going to be ron hextall and the flyers but that tandem of burke and and hextall you know, Hextall got screwed in Philly, and look what ha- look what Fletcher did to everything that Hextall built, right? I mean, there were it was before Hextall got canned. That was a team that was climbing and climbing and climbing, and they had the goalie of the future. And Ron was like, "I don't care if we're struggling. He needs to mature." I don't care if we're struggling. He needs to mature, and that's what got him canned. Fletcher came in and did everything wrong. Brought him in, hired Elaine Vino, all that stuff, right? Made stupid deals, and everything that Hextall built got burned to the ground in, you know, months. And now we're all sitting here talking about a rebuild phase for the Flyers. So I want to see what Hextall does because everything I'm hearing and seeing from trusted resources is that Malkin might be on his way out the door. Oh, I think he's gone. Yeah. And I think that's why you have that Burke-Hextall dynamic. Burke's the guy that says, sorry. He delivers the bad news because, well, I'm guessing... I don't know too many players that want to sit and have a conversation with the man. I would love to. Oh, I'd love to. Players, players are a different story. Because you look at the way outside of Crosby and honestly, Brian Rust. Gensel. Gensel's only signed for one more year beyond next season. I know. But it's still part of that window. Pittsburgh has plenty of things that they could do. After this season, this season, it's kind of, well, you plug some holes, get Crosby to help guys have career years. Here's here is my wackadoo conspiracy theory, because I I binged watch the the Netflix show called Inside Job uh, Mm a couple weeks ago. And wow. (laughs) the conspiracy theory show it's actually got some pretty damn funny moments but my conspiracy theory is you let malkin walk and if he doesn't if he makes it to free agency how good is philip forsberg going to look at a penguin sweater i can see it mm-hmm. i can see it because they only have oh let me look here 23 million in projected cap space right you got to deal with latang and, well, will they? I mean, if they get rid of, if they get rid I, of Malkin, are they going to keep Latang? 
I think are just going to start. Are they going to start on their rebuild? No, I think they have. No, I, I think I think they're going to use the model that everyone says. Right. So long as you've got Sidney Crosby, you've got a chance. Well, yeah. So here's here's the thing with that. <laughs> <laughs> Cassie, you can apply logic all you want. You can't apply logic to to hockey men. <laughs> no, no. So this is this is the thing with that 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 people are so casually and conveniently overlooking is that, you know, Crosby has a history of injuries and he's been out for long stretches of time. Who is the player that has always picked up the slack when Crosby's out of the lineup? Malkin. I no, I'm not <laughs> ignoring that. That's why that's why I'm saying that how interesting it might be. If if he gets to whatever, you know, the new July 1st is this year, it's like the 13th, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, if, if Philip Forsberg gets to the 13th, hmm. Huh. He's kind of already got, you know, some of the same colors in his uniform and his and his gloves and stuff. So, you know, wouldn't can he Can he carry a team by himself like Malkin can? I don't see, I don't think he needs to because Malkin still had Rust and Gensel and Latang and some of those other guys. He just stepped up into Sydney's spot and the guy behind him stepped up and didn't lose ground. And I think that's all that needs to happen is you need one player to step up to get 80% of Sydney Crosby. And the guy behind you to step up and not lose ground. And they'll be fine. Provided they have a goalie. <laughs> oh, that little caveat. Yeah, there's always there's there's always a fox in the hen house dressed as a sheep, isn't there? <laughs> so here's the interesting thing I think Hextall should be focused on is how do we offload responsibility from Crosby? And I don't think they could do that anymore with Malkin. Just Malkin's the older player slowing down with injuries. Crosby, for the most part, has been in the lineup more in this later stretch of his career than he was, say, a decade ago. And he's also good at recovery. See the one the one superpower that Sidney Crosby has that most NHL players don't is his ability to recover from injuries mm-hmm. in a timely fashion in a way that doesn't when he goes back into the lineup he doesn't screw himself over and he can like keep you know go back to playing the way he was playing when he left the lineup. That is the thing that makes Sidney Crosby an elite player and not necessarily his on-ice ability because all players slow down, all players age, all players, like, their injuries catch up to them. But with Sidney Crosby, because he he overthinks the game in such a way that he includes his recovery in that, because most players overthink the game in terms of on-ice production, Crosby includes injury recovery as part of the game. And so because of that, that's why at almost 35, he really hasn't slowed down since, you know, ever. So. And you said slow down. And that's another thing. His foot speed will never be 
a determining was, factor, which it's kind of the cliff that most high-end forwards kind of face. John Tavares went through it this year, where he has to adapt to something new. And I think Malkin fits that same bill. Crosby yeah. will still be Crosby, no matter how fast he is compared to, say, that first group coming off their entry levels that's kind of taking over spots from different players around the league. Yeah, Crosby was never about speed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was he was about to now. I mean, he had NHL average speed, right? Mm-hmm. What he had is that fire plug frame and that tenacity that matched it. He had that lower body strength and enough power, you know, because of his center of gravity and everything that he could make his own space. But it wasn't it wasn't that, you know, violent explosion like McDavid or Matthews. It was basically like a bulldog. He's gonna... fast enough, and that's mm-hmm. all that matters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's and that's that's a great way of putting it. He's he's fast enough, and I'd even put throw the the second caveat on that. He's fast enough when he needs to be. Right. And of all players time, in the league, he knows when he has to and when he doesn't. Right. Yeah. He can serve. He so again. He went like a lot of elite players, and we all know Crosby's an overthinker, and he overthinks a lot of like hockey stuff yeah mcdavid does you know the, the yeah the long gone are the players that just relied on their talent and didn't think about anything um but again crosby considers off ice stuff just as important as on ice stuff while many guys who are you know getting into their late 20s early 30s are just thinking about on ice stuff right and so because of that, Crosby has, you know, he, he overthinks his training in a way that most people don't. <laughs> well, and I know we have discussed this before, too. I don't, I think he may overthink it, but he's never, I don't think he's ever overdone it. No, you know? right. And that's, the, that's what I mean, though, is yeah, that, that balance. Right, is that he... Most guys work tirelessly on the ice, but they just, they do what they need to do to like for recovery. They need what they need to do to, um, to get back on the ice. They know they need what they need to do to like what they've always done. A lot of guys don't change their off ice routine over the years until they realize they have to. And Crosby's adjusted over the years. So it's like, it's, it's the, um, Erickson issue, right? Yeah, Erickson's just... He never never thought about recovery in terms of where that's going. Yeah, Carlson, thank you. Eric Carlson. (laughs) We just contracted the whole thing. (laughs) Right, and um, and, and he never never thought about how his recovery would impact his on-ice thing. He just did what he was told. I don't... And so, and Crosby does that, but he also thinks about it. I, uh, I hate doing the the apples and and yeah, apples and oranges. I I, no, I won't do that because there's been a big. They're not disparate enough. To me, it's apples and potatoes in this sense, and I and I only say that because Crosby's (laughs) kind of Crosby's injuries have been 
They're not the same. I know. Yeah, and and I don't know who was driving Carlson's recovery, but I would hope that the doctors that performed the procedure said you're not going to be able to do what you used to do the way you used to do it, and you need to you need to um, count for that in your training and in your rehabilitation and your skating. I would hope they did that, but because it still comes down to a fundamental, they changed his entire muscular system down to his foot. Right, his physiology of his whole like lower leg. And there's only so much modifying that you can do to to training regiments because he you know he has had chronic groin issues ever since. Well, why? Well, there isn't enough training in the world that's going to fix you know the fact that he can't pivot turn. Mm-hmm. You know and sometimes you know in those situations in the game the you know the the conscious brain shuts off and you go back to ingrained habits right and i don't memory yeah yeah. and and crosby's injuries i don't think you have to worry about those right because he's not done i mean outside of probably like some shoulder and wrist stuff you know the the common you know common hockey stuff he's not He's not had a situation where he's had to rethink how he plays, I think is what I'm getting at. So his, you know, he's had to rethink how he heals Mm -hmm. and how he, you know, how he deals with the injuries that he's had, but he hasn't had to rethink what he's doing on the ice. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest difference between the two of them to me. Carlson still cannot get out of that way, right? He, I don't care how many years it's been since he's had that surgery, he still can't get out of the way he thinks on the ice because he spent 28 years of his life, you know, effectively ingraining that into his system. So, okay, that's enough for me. I am, I, uh, I am not a physiotherapist, nor am I a, a surgeon, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express once. <laughs> Speaking of San Jose. Okay, another point I'm glad we're going to get to here. <laughs> Please, Cassie, lead, lead us down this road. So San Jose is looking for a uh, general manager and has been for a while now. And, and they, coach. <laughs> and now, just recently, they've decided they need to look for a coach, too. <laughs> A couple months later, it was a little bit of lag time on that one. I'm not quite sure what what was going on there. Sorry, that probably wasn't the best setup for you, but there you go. Let's say we got 15, 20 games into the season, and I don't know if I expect the Sharks to flounder, like be 1-15 and six or you do your own math. Math is hard. But if 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 Bob Bugner and his staff were fired, was there really, really a team out that the that was immediately gonna hire them? Is there a general manager just kicking themselves because he's now suddenly available for most likely an assistant coaching position? That kind of regrets hiring someone over him right now. Yes, I get the personal, you put this guy in a bad position, but hey, 
there's a reason why these coaches have contracts or not, uh, you know, at will employees where, you know, they are going to be paid while they're stuck on the sidelines. There was an extra reason why Barry Trotz decided to sit out the year because the Islanders are still paying him. So let's not, let's not treat Bugner and his staff. Well, the assistant coaches are probably a different situation because assistant coaches contracts are vastly different and they do get put in bad positions, but let's not feel that bad for Bugner right now. I don't. Mm-mm. But everyone in the world was just, oh, it's just a bad look. Business is business. He is still being compensated for not being in a role. I mean, in my opinion, the only thing that made sense to me was that they thought they would have had a head coach or a general manager by now to hire a head coach. And that guy would have fired Booner. (laughs) Here's also the other interesting. Other teams making certain decisions. Like, I'll be honest, I am a bit surprised Jim Montgomery was hired. I am very surprised Rick Bonus was hired in, in Winnipeg. So there are some other options out there that I would have picked for some of those positions that are readily available for San Jose to hire early next week, or, or we'll say immediately after the entry draft, that they still have enough time to put something together and not, you know, do what happened to to Bednar when he was first hired in Colorado. I think they'll be fine on the coaching coaching wise in San Jose, but were there candidates that the team talked to that would have been okay with Bugner coming back? I think that's what it came down to. And I think Cassie's absolutely right. They didn't think they'd probably take quite this long. Yeah. Just got tired of it hanging out, hanging over their heads, so they just got rid of them. And and doing it before the big convention next week, that is the draft, it's probably better to do it now than to wait for the hire. Yeah, so that's gonna be an interesting thing, right? How how do you how do you draft when you don't have a coach or general manager for that matter? Well you have you have AGMs, obviously, but and they have a scouting staff in place. And honestly, after that first pick, it it's all on the scouting staff. And we we can just go back in time and look at the San Jose Sharks record at drafting in the first rounds. <laughs> or we could just take laughing gas and, and laugh ourselves to death, you know? Either one, you get the same result. So, so if you, I mean, so who sets the vision for the team then? What kind of team you want? What kind of makeup you have of it? I guess it depends on the organization that changes from team to team. But wouldn't that typically be your general manager? B-I-N-G-O. That's exactly what I was wanting to get at because I was hoping you guys would present because... <laughs> Either it's the general manager or the president of hockey operations. And sometimes it's a tandem. Sometimes it's the same person. Um, 
but yes, you are correct. So this one, you know, even if they hire a coach today, is that coach really going to have that much of an impact or a general manager today is, are either of those people going to have an impact on the draft, which is apparently, as I found out um, next week. <laughs> no, cause it's, it's too late. I mean, but if it'd been like three weeks ago, maybe. But even then, given the circumstance of there's a lot of players that lost at least a full season of development time because they couldn't get onto the ice, everything's a crapshoot this year. Right. So let the people that kind of have their lists ready to go, because of the three names that are out there publicly, Ray Whitney, I don't think was... You know, he was working for the league, was he not? So he's not engulfed in, in draft boards. Mike Greer, I can't speak to. Scott Mellenby might be the he. He probably knew a thing or two about a thing or two. But honestly, just. Hope that you have some good people still in the organization to just get you through next week. Hire one of those three guys and then plot your course because nothing they do next Thursday and Friday is going to change the fact that, um, ooh, that back line, oh, Carlson, Burns, Vlasic, it's just nothing is going to change that for them anytime soon. And I suppose like there's the mentality just generally in the NHL of, oh, well, if it doesn't work out, we can trade him. Except you can't with I know. Most, <laughs> those guys that just names. I know. I mean, you know, it's, but, but that's, that's why teams are the way that they are is because there, there's that mentality that, you know, players are cattle. And you can just trade them however you want, whenever you want, and get rid of your problems when, in reality, that doesn't always work out so well, does it? Nope. <laughs> Not in the least. You know, like I always say, team that brought team with Brent Burns brought another player with Brent Burns. To, <laughs> uns, shockingly, to, to discover that their Brent Burns coefficient didn't increase exponentially. Mm-hmm. <sighs> How is that one on the top 10? I'm sorry. I just stumbled across a list of the top 20 um, Chinese Kung Fu movies. <laughs> and I'm like, how does that one make the list and this other one not? And it's kind of infuriating. So All this to make a reply. All this for a reply. To Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. You know me too well. Shut up. Um <laughs> Um, I will, uh, um, in other more awesome news, if we could give a round of applause to one Emily Angle Natchke. I'm probably butchering her last name. Emily, full-time video coordinator of the Washington Capitals. First NHL female coach in the coaching ranks, full-time. And 
my favorite thing was who where there's two there's two favorite things about about her path to where she is today where she was able to get today and one of them was um the guy who basically said go do this to her you go this way i will help you you go this way and that was tony granado <laughs> so you know because she played um or she was at university of wisconsin when tony was there and tony was like no 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 no, you can do this you can do this i'll help you you can do this and The other one was what Peter Laviolette said, and I'm trying to find it. Um, it was basically along the lines of, we found the right person for the job and made sure that we helped, we gave them every opportunity to succeed in that job, you know, which kind of hints at the... I don't know how to frame this because it's going to sound really stupid. It's kind of, it kind of hints that nobody looked at her as a woman, you know? Which, in reality, that's that's all that it takes to, like, treat women right. as equal, <laughs> you know? Don't look at them like they're or us, that we're, you know, some alien creature that is completely different from men. Just treat us like men, and we're fine. We'll treat you like human beings. That's even better. Right, um, because most men don't treat other men like human beings. You are correct. Correct. Yes. Um, yeah, it was, the, we hired a really qualified person, brought into the organization, and came in and did an outstanding job, and that's what development is all about. For me, we got the right per we got the best person, and that's the most important thing. It's those last two. And that's what development is about. Which says to me, and and maybe this was a PR thing handed to Peter Laviolette, but I kind of from what I've heard about the man, I do believe he would believe it. It's that we got the best person and we made sure that she had an opportunity to succeed. You know? found somebody who's passionate about it. We made sure that we that they had the resources to be able to do this job and succeed at it so they could help us. And god damn it's about effing time. So un NHL like. I know. And from the capitals, right? I know. But Yeah, because the NHL is is you either can do it now or you sink or swim and you're out, you know? <laughs> yeah, but they And you have to do it our way and you have to they put all these conditions on things and they don't exactly tell you what those conditions are beforehand. Yeah, seriously. And you get thrown in and then all of a sudden they're like, Well, you're not doing this and this and this. It's like, well, you didn't tell me to do that and that and that. It's like, well, you should have known, sorry. <sighs> yeah. Um they, you know, they got her in at Hershey and, you know, had her helping at the NHL level. And, you know, that's that to me is I, they didn't do it. I, and I'm hoping to God, I'm praying to God this doesn't come out and contradict me at some point. But they just looked at someone who had the talent and had... Uh, 
had the passion to do this. And all that person needed was an opportunity to demonstrate that and got it. And then they said, great, you're awesome at this. Keep going. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know this is going to sound really bad, but you know, we talk about allies, right? For the marginalized people. And mm-hmm. I go back, Tony Granato. You know, he was he was ambassadoring her. You know. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's sister, right? I mean, so men yeah. who have sisters either go one of two ways: one, they see their sisters as aliens and want nothing to do with them; or two, they see them as human beings and don't think anything of any other women. You know. Well, so, especially in that family where your sister actually ends up being a little more successful than you do at the sport. And they actually <laughs> been a better than you were at the time. And you know what? Tony's the first to admit it, generally. You know. Secure men usually are. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And that's, they, I don't think they'd treat, I, I, you're, you're, you're two, you're two men. I have two sisters older than me. Um, They were human beings to me, you know, and but the other side of that is I've watched friends of mine and they either treat their, their sisters, especially if they're younger, as porcelain dolls. You know, they don't know how to deal with them. You know, they're, they're, they're almost being that paternal protector. Mm-hmm. Or they treat them as human beings who are capable of making their own decisions and, and succeeding and screwing up like the rest of us. And you'll be there to support them either way. But... Yes, um, I was really stoked to hear that. I was very stoked to hear that. Now let's get one behind the bench. Who? What was it? There was an NHL team a few years ago, a couple of years ago. I don't remember which one it was that they were looking for an AGM, and they had human resources scrub all the names and any gender distinguishing terminology from all the resumes so that they could pick the best qualified candidate. I don't remember who it was, but Oh, I wasn't it. God, I want it. I don't think it was, I don't think it was an AGM. I think, God, I want to say it was Toronto after Dubas. I think started. you're right. And I think it was for, um, uh, a player development or, Something not too Is that far. Is that the one that Haley Wickenheiser got hired for? I don't know. I think it was a position not too far down the chain from AGM. But I I want to say it was Toronto because the only other, and I think and I think it was after Dubis was, Dubis and Shannon, I think it was after Dubis was given full reign. Oh, God. If only there were something magical. Yeah. <laughs> was it... Their director of hockey ops, I want to say. So, hmm, I'm trying not to Google to get this right, but it was. So, they brought in Wickenheiser, they brought in a different skating coach, and then their current director of hockey operations, Leanne haterson there is no n so i'm trying to pronounce that last name correctly i 
think she was the hire that we're talking about here. Because I mean, that's that's the way to do it, right? If you're really genuinely trying to hire the best qualified person for this position, and you know that there's a gender bias that is rampant throughout and race bias throughout the entire league, all levels of hockey for that matter, then if you're serious about like taking the best possible candidate regardless, that's what you need to do. But then, you know, you can get screwed over with the whole interview process part because then you actually have to deal with people face to face. There are ways to set that all up, and oh, I know. Sounds like organizations are actually starting to go go through with some better practices, just like oh, I don't know, background checks. It sounds like. Oh yeah. It's nice that they're finally catching up to the business world of the 1990s. <laughs> you know, professional sports entertainment is an is an. It's, it's an insulated, 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 insulated industry. Isolated might be better. <laughs> well, it's isolated and insulated. Self-isolated? About yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I... God, I, I, I did a quick search, Pat, and I'd have to probably change my terms. I... I God, I want to say I'm pretty sure it was the Maple Leafs. If anyone knows for sure who it was, please ping us at 3v3 podcast at the Twitter machines, because uh, I would like to rem- I would like to remember specifics on that because it should have made a bigger wave, I think. But I think it was also just at the point, you know, we're pre, like maybe a year or so before COVID hit. <laughs> right, where every where everything's wiped clean. Yeah. Exactly. Where where I feel like the the protagonist in a Japanese role playing video game, you know, it starts out as a big badass hero and then suffers amnesia and has to remember, because isn't that just the beginning of every JPRG? Um, oh God, I want to say it was Toronto. Now it is going to drive me nuts. I don't want to search on the internet while I'm trying to talk because the two things you know makes for great podcasting. Um, mm-hmm. Typing. Typing is always interesting. Clickety noises. <laughs> Especially with me with a mechanical keyboard. Let me just get my microphone closer as I hammer away on my keyboard. What are you talking about? It's great background audio. <laughs> okay, Patrick's good. It'd probably be, you know, about 110 words per minute. Um, Who has a mechanical click keyboard again? I do. <laughs> Would you like to hear it? <laughs> But you got to hold it like a keytar while no, doing it. I, no, I really don't, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have to. I have to. You have to. No. Sorry for projecting my joy onto others. Uh-huh. Exactly. Um, I'm still shocked. At, at, at. Background checks, that's where we're at. <laughs> no, I'm happy. I'm unbelievably happy for that. Um, I don't that having said that I'm not sure what they're going to uncover with a lot of these people um, 
you know, all the all the DWIs and that's all known generally. Um, maybe not the actual number. <laughs> if as we've as we've discussed multiple times, these guys, you know, again, they're just picking from the same pool of thirty-two. Right. That stuff, you know, or forty, I should say. Those should um be fairly well known. Um. Yeah, I'm still stuck on the lunge of the Drunken Master being in the top 20 of these Kung Fu movies. I mean, I don't like Jackie Chan, but... <sighs> I wouldn't consider that one a top 20 movie. This has been the 3B3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3B3 Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.